11, 2001, 19 militants associated with Islamic extreme group Al-Qaeda hijacked four airplanes and carried out suicide attacks against targets in the United States. Uh, two of the planes were flown into the tw uh, Twin Towers of the World Trade Center in New York City. Third plane hit the Pentagon just outside of Washington, D.C. The fourth plane crashed in a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Almost 3,000 people were killed during the 911 terrorist attacks, which triggered uh, major U.S. In, uh, initiatives to combat terrorism and def uh, defined the presidency of uh, uh, President George Bush. On September 11, 2001, at 8.45 a.m., on a clear Tuesday morning, an American airline, Boeing 767, loaded with 20,000 gallons of jet fuel, crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. The impact left a gaping, burning hole near the 80th floor of the 110-story skyscraper, instantly killing hundreds of people and trapping hundreds more on the higher floors. Uh, then, uh, 18 minutes after the first plane hit, a second Boeing 767, United Airlines Flight 175, appeared out of the sky, turned sharply towards the World Trade Center, and sliced into the South Tower uh, near the 60th floor. As millions of uh, watched, the events unfolding in New York, American Airlines Flight 77 circled over downtown Washington, D.C. before crashing into the west side of the Pentagon uh, military headquarters at 9.45 a.m. Uh, jet fuel from the Boeing 757 caused a devastating inferno uh, that led to the structural collapse of a portion of the giant concrete building, which is the headquarters of the U.S. Department of Defense. Uh, less than 15 minutes after the terrorists struck the nerve center of the U.S. military, the horror in New York City uh, took a catastrophic turn when the South Tower of the World Trade Center collapsed in a massive cloud of dust and smoke. Uh, at 10.30 a.m., the North Building of the Twin Towers collapsed. Only six people in the World Trade Center towers at, that, at the time of the collapse survived. Almost 10,000 others were treated for injuries, uh, many very severe. It is amazing to think of uh, these attacks and the response of people in America in reference to what took place 18 years ago. Today we had a, a service similar to this for our seventh through 12th grade students in our school. The reality is not one of those students were born when this happened. I thought it was interesting. I was sitting in the back uh, in the sound booth and watching as the videos were going on, uh, the intense attention that they were giving to watching what was taking place. And immediately I thought, well, how many uh, pe young people their age uh, are not uh, being made aware of what took place? And the way we seem like we just constantly want to rewrite history and we don't want to acknowledge what is going on in the world around us. Uh, people died needlessly 
not just people that were innocent that were just doing their jobs each day, but those that were first responders, police officers, firefighters, uh, paramedics, uh, all kinds of people in medical fields and trying to help, just simply trying to save lives. And all these lives were just snuffed out, uh, all this horror terrorist attack. And so in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20, I want to read a few verses in thinking about remembering a tragedy. And when tragedies like this take place, it's a very alarming to us and uh, it's a burden on our hearts and on our minds. But the reality is every one of us are going to face tragedies. Uh, before, at the end of the service this morning, I prayed uh, to close the service. Before I prayed, though, I, I just reminded the students, I said, you have to realize that every person in their life is going to face some drastic tragedy that they're going to have to go through. And I thought, I told him, I said, you know, I was, I was in elementary school when uh, President Kennedy was assassinated. That was devastating on our country. I remember President Ronald Reagan's uh, attempt to assassinate him. Uh, I remember the tragedies and, and the attitudes and the problems during the Vietnam War. Uh, you know, I lived through the 60s with race, race riots and all of that. You know, I mean, you can go through and list multitudes of things that were tragedies that you experience in your life. And I told the young people, I said, the reality is sometime during your lifetime, you're going to be facing a tragedy like this. And we need to be aware of how God works and moves in our lives and how God can help us to deal with the tragedies in life because they will come. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 5, says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God? who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever. And they dwelt therein, and have built uh, thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If, when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence for thy name, is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, uh, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade uh, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against the great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children." 
Of course, we know in the passage here, Judah is facing a great invasion by the Moabites and the Ammonites. And we, when we had to deal with 911, it was an invasion. It was an invasion into our country, onto our soil, <coughs> attacking our people. And uh, it was no different in the life of Judah. Jehoshaphat knows that he must go to God in prayer. And when the enemy is strong and the enemy wants to attack, the recourse that the believer has is he can go to his God in prayer and God hears him. Tragedy and peril will bring people to their knees before God. And as Israel would be uh, attacked over and over again, God would allow those enemies to attack Israel to bring them to their knees, to once again turn to their God and to trust their, their God. Uh, after 9-1-1, we had uh, multitudes of people that would call our church, call wanting to know uh, when our church services were, call and wanting to know if we would pray for them, call and want to know if they could come by and pray. And uh, certainly uh, there were many who would come and uh, uh, seek the Lord, uh, whom we didn't even know. They would just come in, and I remember people just walking in and sitting in the pews and just praying because they were so devastated and moved by what was happening because they had no answers in their heart and they would come and pursue God. We had prayer meetings here and we would gather together and we would pray and seek after the Lord for God's help. But now it's 18 years later. Now the 18 years later, the questions that come to my mind are where are the prayer meetings? Where, where are the people of God gathering together and crying out to the Lord. Where, where is the longing? Does God have to bring another tragedy upon us to get our attention to turn to him? Where's the prayer meetings? Where are the cries for God? Uh, we cry out for everything else, but how often do we cry out for the Lord? And why, why is there the acceptance of rewriting history? I don't understand why people do not, that, especially people with children, no matter where their children are going to school, I don't understand why parents do not storm the school boards and absolutely refuse this liberal agenda to corrupt the minds of our children by rewriting history. Congresswoman Omar, in a meeting with the CARE, the Organization for Muslims, said in reference to 911 that apparently some people did something. Oh, well, I got news for you. It wasn't some people doing something. It was Muslims. It was Islamic terrorists who came and attacked our soil, our people, and took innocent lives. It wasn't just somebody. Some people did something. Uh, I, I just really believe with all my heart there needs to be a stirring in the, in the reality that our people in leadership are to be patriotic and they're to honor God and they are to hold to the truths of who we are as Americans. We're not another nation. The New York Times tweeted and they sensed because the outrage took the tweet down. That just shows me if we would speak up more and say more aggressively you can actually change some things. But the New York Times tweeted out, 18 years have passed since airplanes took aim and brought down the World Trade Center. Now, since when can airplanes aim at something? 
airplanes didn't aim at the buildings. There were individuals who got in the airplane and flew the airplane into those buildings. Just like with gun control and everything else, you know, somebody gets shot or there's some shooting and it's horrible. It's terrible and right away, oh, the gun killed them. The gun didn't kill them. The individual carrying the gun killed them. A gun does not fire unless somebody pulls the trigger. And so we allow this kind of concept after a great tragedy that has taken place, we allow those types of ideas to filter into our society that is literally changing everything that we are. And we need to remember what we were when the tragedy happened and who it was that attacked us. Jehoshaphat in this chapter is overwhelmed by what he is facing, but nevertheless, he still has to face it. And yes, in the world that we live in, we may be becoming overwhelmed by the tragedies that we have to look at and deal with and the changing of our society where we live, uh, we, but we must face it. We must stand up against it. We must acknowledge it. Uh, otherwise, it's just going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. So we need to learn from what tragedies we've experienced in the past so that we might be able to live in a way that we can prevent them in the future. But as a believer, first of all, or even as the heathen, notice in verse 6, uh, there was a questions that they had in his heart. And people always have questions in their heart when something tragic happens. In verse 6, he said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not over all the kingdoms of the heathen. And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. He, he, this tragedy, these, the Moabites and the Ammonites are against them. He is confused. He is distressed. He is, his heart is full of questions. And I, and I, just, I just remember on 911. Uh, being in the church office and and uh, somebody had said something about a plane hitting a tower and we were on the internet trying to get on the internet trying to see what was going on and and it just the questions what was it somebody said it was a small plane and somebody was saying it was uh, actually deliberately and you just the questions and it's like why why, why did that take place uh, you know oftentimes people start questioning well where's God in the center of all this. And so we get overwhelmed with questions. And so the question is just simply, is God still in control? That's all, that's all Jehoshaphat wants to know. God, aren't you the one that's the God of our fathers? Aren't you the one who's the God of heaven? How can this be taking place? And so he's questioning the veracity of his God. In Psalm 139, 17, 18, it says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with thee. And Jehoshaphat needed to remind himself that God has not forgotten about him. Jehoshaphat needed to remind himself that God was still aware of who he is and where he is and what he needs. And so he needed to trust in the living God. Is God still in control? Well, yes, he is. He's still on the throne. There is nothing that happens in this world that God does not control. And he can change anything. 
He is the sustainer of life. Uh, he is the controller of this universe. And God is in control. And so when tragedy comes, the heart may be troubled with the question, God, where are you at this very moment in my life? At this time in my life, where are you? And uh, are you in control? He also had the question in his heart, is God sovereign? Because he states here, he says, rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And so he's saying, well, wait a minute, God, if you're in control and you have been in control, then how can this situation get out of control? And uh, certainly God is wanting to get the attention of the Israelite, and God uh, so directs for the Ammonites and the Moabites to attack Israel. And so when the questions come, God, are you still in control, and God, are you still sovereign, then uh, look to the word of God and trust the fact that God knows what he is doing. He knows the beginning to the end. And there's no gaps in the middle that he is not aware of. And so we trust that God is sovereign. First Chronicles 17:20 says, "O Lord, there is none like thee, neither is there any God besides thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears." And so in the midst of tragedy, there is a God who is sovereign and a God who is, a, uh, is aware of what's going on and is going to use the tragedy to work his perfect will and to work his way in our lives. And it's hard for us to accept that. It's hard for us to understand uh, that God would allow these types of tragedies to go on. Uh, the problem is it's the sinfulness of man's heart. Man is wicked in his thoughts. Man is, it, 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 the Proverbs tells us that the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination before the Lord. The prayers of the wicked is an abomination before the Lord. The ways of the wicked is an abomination before the Lord. And so the whole aspect of, of the wicked is they are defiled the very character and person of who God is. And the evil one always launches out an attack against anything that may be representing uh, the God of heaven. And so, God, are you still sovereign? Yes, he is. Jehoshaphat, remember, he's still on the throne and he's still in control. Notice another question he has in his heart. Is God still all-powerful? Because he states here, he says, In thine hand is there not power? And he's confused about this because he knows his God is almighty. He knows that he is strong and powerful. But in reference to what he's facing and what he's going through, he's feeling in his heart and questioning his heart, maybe God isn't all powerful. And yet Psalm 59 and verse 10, Psalm 59 and 10 says, The God of my mercy of shall prevent me. God shall let me see my desire upon my enemies. Slay them not lest my people forget. Scatter them by thy power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield, for the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips. Let them even be taken into, in their pride and for, their, uh, for cursing and lying which they speak. And so the psalmist is crying out that God is the only defense. God is the only strength that we have to fight against the enemy. I just think in the last 18 years, how many people have died in the last 18 years fighting this war on terror? 
And just recently, you know, President Trump trying to deal with the, t the Taliban and all this in Afghanistan. And, and uh, so what do they do? They turn around and they, they bomb a place and more Americans are killed. And there, there is no human reasoning with someone who's energized and manipulated by the power of Satan. But God is still strong enough to defeat them in the cry of the psalmist was, God, I'm not strong enough. I don't have the power, but I know that you're able to do this. And we cry out to our God because he is still all powerful. And then Jehoshaphat cries out because he's concerned whether God is still able to deliver. He said, aren't thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants? In other words, you drove out the inhabitants before. Why can't you drive out the inhabitants now? He's wondering to know if, if God is still able to deliver. And God is able to deliver. You know, that's your next point there, Jack. Uh, God, no, uh, in the life of Daniel, Daniel was taken in captivity out of his hometown into Babylon. But even in the midst of a foreign country, a foreign people, a wicked king, and false worship, God still delivered Daniel. And in a world that seems to get be bent on the fact of defiling everything that is holy, when the questions come into our hearts, we're reminded of the fact that God is able in that environment still to be able to deliver and give us victory. And so the questions of the heart. There's the conquest of the heathen in this, verse 9. He says, if when evil cometh upon us uh, as the sword, judgment, and pestilence, and famine, uh, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then wilt, thou wilt hear and help. And so notice the conquest of the heathen. First of all, he's addressing a hypothetical situation. Verse 9 he says, if. Hypothetically, if another attack comes. Hypothetically, if there is another war. Jesus said, you shall hear wars and rumors of wars. We're not going to escape that until the coming of the Lord. The hypothetical situation is that, wait a minute, if something was to happen, if, if there was to be another attack, God is able to fight on the behalf of his people. And Jehoshaphat is aware of the attacks of the past, and he's saying, if this should happen in the future, whether it be by sword, that's military attack, whether it be judgment, that's legal attack, you know, many, many countries that are not Christian countries, if uh, you convert someone to Christianity legally, you can be put to death. So he said, if judgment, if a pestilence, uh, that, that is dealing with the matter of uh, disease and, and uh, uh, any type of harm like that, or famine, loss of food, he says, all these tragedies, all these things that we are, is the possibility of what we might be able to have to go through and might have to face. God, will you be able to defeat the enemy? Will you, will you deliver us out of their hand? And so the hypotheticals, you know, some people live a life just trapped and oppressed because we're worried about what if, what if, 
We can't live a life in fear of what if, because God is able to defeat and to destroy the enemy so we live in the realm of hope in what God can do. So he's, he's the conquest of the heathen, hypothetically. But then there's the uh, probable. He says, if, and then he says, when evil comes. So he shifts from just stating, well, this may happen. Then he states, this will happen when it comes, when it comes. In John chapter 16, Jesus said, in, um, in this world, you shall have tribulation. But he also said in that verse, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And so as we remember the tragedy of 9-1-1, let's remind ourselves that, yes, in this world, that's what we have to deal with. There is tribulation and sorrow and tragedy. But I can be of good cheer because God has already defeated this world. As a believer in Christ, we're already on the winning side. We're already victorious in Christ. And so the reality, the probability of something happening. And then not only hypothetical and probable, but destructible. The sword, the sword, the uh, chastisement of the enemy to attack and to maim and to hurt. And having no reference whatsoever or no uh, respect for life whatsoever. Uh, how do you deal with that? You continue uh, to trust the living God that he is in control. Paul said this in first, 2 Corinthians 11, in verse 23, about his life. And he says in verse 23, he says, And they meant, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes more above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths off. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings off, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils of the, in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings oft, in hunger and thirst, in fastings oft, in coldness and nakedness, besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Paul said, hey, I, I, there, there are difficult times that we have to overcome. And when tra tragedy comes, it may become by sword. But realize this, that God is the victor and God is the one who gets us through those tragedies. We do not go through them alone. Jehoshaphat is acknowledging the fact that God was with him. He's aware of the fact that when they came to the gate of their door of the tabernacle, that represented the presence of God. And so the conquest of the heathen is by our God, and we can trust him to do that. Then I see in verse 12, the confidence of the humble. Notice in verse 12 that God is the eternal judge. It says, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? Jehoshaphat is aware of the fact that shall, shall not the judge of the, all the earth do right. 
And, and God is the eternal judge. And in, listen, he is the one that makes the final decision. And so we trust in the fact that God will always judge righteously. But not just that, but in the middle of the verse, he says, For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do. So God knows how to deal with tragedy. He knows how to deal with the enemy. He knows when he needs to bring the victory. He knows when to bring the destruction. He knows where the enemy is. There's enemies plotting against America right now. I don't know where they are. You don't know where they are. But God knows where they are. God knows why they're attacking and why they want to destroy uh, those who claim Christ as their Savior. God knows these things. The confidence of the humble is that God is the eternal judge and he is aware of everything. He's omniscient. So we trust in that. And then God has our attention because he says, but our eyes are upon thee. Jehoshaphat's acknowledging where he's looking. You know, I shared with the students this morning, I shared with them, uh, you know, Elijah, when he was at Dothan, uh, the Midianite army surrounded Elijah and his servant. And his servant was fearful because of the enemy was so strong. All his servant could see was the enemy. And sometimes what we do is we live our life defeated because all we can do is see the enemy. And Elijah prayed to his God and he said, God, open his eyes that he might see. And God opened the eyes of his, Elijah's servants and he saw the, the hills and the mountains filled with the angels of God. And they surrounded them for protecting them and uh, be able to deliver them and we need to be like Jehoshaphat saying, here, our eyes are upon you. We look to our God because our God is the one who shows us the angels of the Lord encampeth around the righteous. And the amazing thing is we are not defeated and we are not fearful because we're aware of the fact that God is with us. And God allows tragedy, I think, come in our lives because he wants us to open our eyes. He wants us to wake out of sleep. He wants us to once again turn to him. Now in verse 13 it says, And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And I thought about this, what we can learn from remembering this great tragedy is that we have great opportunities to bring people to Christ. Uh, there is no greater opportunity that we have to bring people to Christ than when they're facing a tragedy. Because when they're facing a tragedy, they're without hope. I mean, despair is real, right in their face. They have no idea where to turn to, and yet you can turn to them and reach out to them. It gives us a great opportunity to bring people to Christ. But we also, because of it, have a great opportunities to bond together as followers of Christ. You know, the amazing thing is if you study church history, you'll find that when there was times of great distress and persecution and poverty, the church grows. And the church throughout history 
flourished and great revivals and great moves of God because of the difficulties the church was going through because the believers realized they had nowhere to turn. They had no one to depend upon but to depend upon each other as we, they turned to their God. And once again, we need to be reminded that when the tragedies come, and they're going to come, that we need to be bound together with the love of Christ. Paul said the love of Christ constraineth us. Constraineth literally means glues us together. And, and I, I believe in these last days that we're living in, because I believe Jesus is coming again very soon as we see everything that's going on in the world in which we live. I just know this, there ought to be an outpouring of the Spirit of God upon believers where we actually realize that we can't live without each other. We've got to be bound together. Why is that? Because we are blessed by the one true God. You know, the Islam, the Muslims, they run out and they attack and they try to destroy and they're not embarrassed about sacrificing themselves um, as a weapon of destruction as they cry out to try to glorify their God, Allah. But wait a minute, their God is a false God. And our God is a God who loves us and is the God of heaven. And we're blessed by that one true God. And Psalm 33 and 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. You look around the world, there is no country like America. There is no country like America. You look at the, the prosperity, you look at the innovation, you look at the entrepreneurship, you look at all that America has and people want to complain about how bad America is. If, that's, if we're so bad, then why is it everybody in the world wants to come here? And you look at it and you say, well, what's going on? Why is that? I believe with all my heart is because when the founding fathers was forming this nation, they recognized and acknowledged the fact that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We want to be able to enjoy the deliverance of God and the protection of God. We need to get back to that premise that our nation is blessed because of the fact that we fear the Lord. But also, we need to acknowledge that because of the fact that we're blessed by the one true God, that means he deals with us or we're dealt with differently. In Psalm 147, Psalm 147 and uh, verse 19 and 20 tells us, um, He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise you the Lord. Now you think of this. You go around the world and you look at people around the world and they don't have the word of God. Most of us have several Bibles in our house. 
Uh, it's just funny around here, you see Bibles everywhere. You walk around and somebody, I don't know, I'll open it up and say, who's this Bible? Oh, yeah, okay, it's probably, yeah, that's, that's typical, you know. And you give it to them. And we, we just have such a lighthearted spirit about the Word of God because we have so many copies of the Word of God. But the reality is, is people around the world do not have Bibles. I remember the first time I went to the Philippines and we were going up, I was with Gilbert Tenorio and we were going up through the mountain churches and we were driving up to this one place. We actually had to get in a four wheel drive Jeep and get up the side of the mountain and get up there and preach. And when I went there, I took oh, the defined King James Bible to all the oh, uh, pastors I was going to be with. I think I took around 40 uh, Bibles if I remember correctly. But anyway, I just, re I just remember the looks on their faces after I preached in their church. And I said, look, I brought you a gift. I want to give you the word of God. And when I handed the Bible to them, I mean, it was like I gave them a million dollars. And I remember this one pastor, he was opening up his Bible and he just started, he was just turning the pages. He was weeping because of the fact that he had the word of God in his hand. I'll never forget the people in that church. The people were like, Pastor, don't leave. Can you stay? Can you stay? And I said, no, I can't stay. I got to go preach another church. I got to go somewhere else. And he said, please stay. Don't leave us. Don't leave us. And I said, I gave your pastor a Bible. I gave your pastor a Bible. I said, he'll read the Bible to you. He'll preach the word of God. And I left and I got in the Jeep when we started leaving. I turned around and all the people were just gathering around this pastor. And he started reading the word of God to them. And God, God has dealt with us differently. Other people in the world don't have the word of God. But we have the word of God. And it ought to be precious to us. And we ought to learn from the tragedies that we go through that God has blessed us greatly. And because he's blessed us greatly, he deals with us differently. He's given us his statutes. He's given us his judgments. How precious it is to have the word of God in front of us. And then we're exalted by true righteousness. If we want to be great, you can have all your political slogans and everything else. The only thing that's going to make America great or any nation great is the true righteousness of Christ. In Proverbs 14, in verse 34, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. All these terrorists, they, they, they set us on our heels. These terrorists, they, they instilled some fear in our hearts. These terrorists disrupted some things in America but I can tell you one thing right now, they're a reproach to the living God. Because it is righteousness that exalteth the nation. And it is righteousness that will once again be experienced in America and exalting and protecting of God in America if we'll just remember the work of God through a tragedy to turn our hearts back to him. Remembering a tragedy. You know, on that day, 18 years ago, there were many people that lost their lives. And I would like to just acknowledge families that uh, have first responders or uh, paramedics or whatever uh, tonight. Um, 
if you have someone in your family that's in the military, uh, if you have someone who is medical personnel, paramedic or whatever, first responder, you have somebody in your family that is a fire uh, man, a fire chief or whatever, uh, if you have someone in your family that's a police officer, these are all people uh, that are really being demeaned by the liberal media and liberal uh, politicians, but these are all people that are precious because when tragedy comes, they don't run away, they run to the problem. And as a result of it, multitudes of them died on 911. And we'd like to acknowledge you, if you have anybody in that category in your life, just raise your hand up so we can see who you are. Amen, hands all over, hands all over. We wanna say thank you for allowing your loved ones to be there for us when we have to face tragedy. God has gifted you and God has enabled you to be able to be a help to others. There is no greater love than a man should lay down his life for his friends. And many people laid down their lives on 911 just trying to save other lives. And we appreciate every family that is represented by their sacrifice. And so we're gonna pray. And uh, after we pray, I wanna close the service. I have a piano player. I like to close the service by singing the Star Spangled Banner. Let's pray. My God, we come to you. We thank you for grace. If it was not for Jesus, we'd have nothing to hope for. God, if it wasn't for the reality that God is on the throne and you're in control of all things, we would be living a life without hope. But even now, Lord, as we're speaking to you, Lord, we're aware of the fact uh, that uh, Jesus is alive and well. We're aware of the fact that the enemy is strong and aggressive. And we're aware of the fact that Jesus is the victor. And we're thankful for freedom. We're thankful for life that we receive through faith in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to take these truths and share them with someone else. We live in a country that's free. It's, we're free to do whatever we choose to do in sharing our faith or living out our faith. And so, Lord, before a tragedy strikes someone again, Help us to share with them the hope that they can have through faith in Jesus. Bless us, Lord. Bless us as a people. Bless us as families. Bless us as a church. Bless us as a nation. We need thee every hour, O oh God. And so move upon us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing the Star Spangled Banner. And the flag's over here, and we're singing it out unto the Lord. Amen. It's a testimony of God's blessings. Amen. Oh, say, can you see the dawn's early light? Once so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and
Before we're dismissed, I'd like just for you to remember Tom Crampert in prayer. You just got word before the service that he's in the hospital. He's got some heart trouble, and so they're going to be running some tests. So please add him to your prayer sheet and be sure to pray for him. You're welcome to continue to stay here and pray and pursue the Lord. Go through our prayer sheet. Pray for America. Let's make that a deliberate prayer every day that God will protect us and God will use us and that God will bless us in a great way. God bless you for being here tonight. And the Iwana program's going on. It'll be over probably in about another 15 minutes or so. God bless you. <laughs>